Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blade Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. Uh, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, December 12th, 2019. So that means that college football's uh, early signing day is, uh, you know, and recruiting is quickly approaching. We've got recruiting guru uh, Josh McQuishan of Soonerscoop.com joining us today to take a little bit of uh, talk a little bit about uh, what's going to be coming up here with uh, Oklahoma with uh, you know early signing day here uh, next week. So let's go ahead and welcome him on, Josh. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Alan. You know, just uh, still, you know, it should be several years in. This should all be normal, but this still feels weird to me. The the December signing period is still something I am adjusting to. Right. I mean, you know, there's just so much going on. I know that, uh, you know, even Lincoln Riley has complained about, uh, you know, kind of the the new calendar and everything. But, uh, you know, at this point, though, it's really not even early signing day. Maybe we should call it signing day and call whatever happens in February late signing day. You're absolutely right. Like I said, I mean, that's just one of those things where February always feels right to me. But when you look at Oklahoma's class, uh, of the 19 commitments, I don't have any expectation that anybody won't sign on Wednesday. I mean, it, that that's just, it's, it's very rare anymore when a guy committed doesn't go ahead and sign in December. So do you think though, that compared to past years, is this any busier than usual for OU's coaches? Is it about the same? I mean, how would you kind of uh, gauge that? I would say that more than most years, I feel like, you kind of know how things are going to play out. Like it, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, th- that's kind of the <laughs> the worst possible thing I could say because invariably there will be some massive mm-hmm. shift in the next week that I didn't foresee. But you kind of see the pieces coming together for Oklahoma. You kind of know, okay, this guy's probably going to be part of the class. This guy's probably going to be in there. There's a few variables you kind of want to see play out, but. You know, it's a it's a deal where I think Oklahoma has done a very good job uh, over the last couple of weeks, really closing down on some of the guys they really needed to either, you know, and it's not just the guys they landed commitments from, they're getting verdicts from guys that maybe they're not going to get so they can kind of make a move toward another guy that they like. So they're not just kind of left holding the bag on signing day. And, you know, OU obviously had a lot of new faces join the coaching staff this year. How would you rate uh, how they're, how things are going with them in, in year one? I mean, any, any big observations there? You know, I, I think as far as a, a year one verdict, you have to be pretty pleased with what Oklahoma's done. I think they're going to close well at corner. Uh, I'm expecting right now them to probably finish up with Kendall Dennis and Josh Eaton at cornerback to join Devon Graham. 
Uh, that's a good start for Roy Manning at corner, especially as a guy that I think more than maybe any of the new hires, he really faced a lot of negative recruiting. He faced a lot of people saying, well, he hasn't coached much at corner. He didn't play corner when he played in college. His background's a lot at linebacker. And he faced a lot of negatives with a lot of people working against him. So to go land a couple of guys that have big offer lists uh, and to you know kind of maintain Devon Graham, uh, whose commitment preceded his arrival, that's that's nothing but good news for Oklahoma. That that's a good start. And when you consider, you know, he can. I don't think everybody nationally is going to notice it, but with what he did with Parnell Motley. I think there's a lot of reason to believe this is going to get better at corner. They, they will advance because Motley is not the level of recruit that he's bringing in in this class. So you've got to think over the coming years that's going to improve. Brian Odom, uh, I, I, it was a tough deal for Brian Odom because there weren't a lot of elite linebackers in his region. It was kind of a down year in Texas. There were only a few guys. One of the elite guys, you know, picked LSU early on. So there, you know, that's just not a battle that OU is going to win defensively right now. So I think he did a nice job. I like Shane Witter. I think that's a really good evaluation by Oklahoma. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that in a few years, people may look back on him and say, that was one of the real steals of this class and nobody noticed it at the time. I, I think he's uh, a good athlete, high IQ guy. He fits in a lot for them at Mike. And then Alex Grinch, you know, we can all talk about what's happened on the field, but you look at um, – Bryson Washington, one of the best safeties in Texas, in the country, and Oklahoma landed him early. I think he had a big hand in helping Oklahoma. Probably, you know, if things go as I expect and reel in Josh Eaton, I think Bryson Washington deserves some credit in that because they are friends. There's a relationship there. So, like I said, I mean, I think that you're going to want things to get better over time. This isn't a class where you say, oh, those guys landed all the guys they could ever want. It's not that, but it's a good year one start for Oklahoma. Looking at some of maybe the bigger stories, I mean, what should fans be tracking right now heading into signing day next week? Well, you know, it's really, it's heavily on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you're looking at um, Josh Ellison, who just announced, uh, you know, as we record this on Thursday morning, just announced that, he was going to announce next Tuesday following his official visit to Norman this weekend. I think Oklahoma's in great shape. They're really in a situation where Oklahoma kind of fell under a lucky star. A&M, for reasons I can't really decipher at this point, just kind of walked away from Josh Ellison, who had been committed to A&M since his high school days and ended up going to blend because he didn't. He, he was really close. He had to go through a review in the NCAA and ended up just saying, I'm not going to just sit out this semester. I'm going to go somewhere and play. So he went to Blinn, and apparently during the season was, you know, I guess notified he would have been a full qualifier and he could go to A&M. But a and I, I think maybe, I don't know if they ran out of spots or there's just something kind of funny about how that situation played out. Well, I think Oklahoma's probably going to be uh, the benefactor of that situation and gets to add some more depth to that defensive line group. It's kind of reminiscent of Leron Stokes last year where Oklahoma found a guy they liked, kind of got you know lucky he was still there available for him and went and landed him. I, you know, It's another good job from Calvin Thibodeau. Uh, really, though, the secondary is what you're watching. I mean, we've talked about Kendall Dennis. We talked about Josh Eaton. Uh, Kendall Dennis was a guy that as of a few days ago, everybody kind of had pegged to Clemson. 
that's kind of turned around. I think Oklahoma is what everyone's expecting at this point. I know both myself and um, uh, Rob Cassidy, our Florida expert, have have pegged him on rivals on our forecast to Oklahoma. So I think that's a kind of a good indication of what we're hearing. And then Josh Eaton, the big long corner from Houston, Oklahoma, just stuck with him forever. That's a guy that was headed A&M at one point and did commit to Texas at another point. And now I think he's going to end up part of Oklahoma's class. So it just kind of tells you sometimes you just kind of have to stick in even when things seem bad. And finally, Justin Harrington, the safety from California, the junior college safety, um, big athletic guy. I really like his tape. It's a little hard to know sometimes because he's kind of catching, you know, arm punts in a couple of situations. So it's not really you know, translatable what you're seeing at times. But I see a big guy that looks every bit of his listed, you know, 6'2", 205, 210, and looks like a guy that can run to me. So, I, you know, I, I think there are good answers for this secondary, and they should start to bolster. And then, you know, you consider, like I said, some of the talent that's already there. Woody Washington was an enormously highly recruited guy last year, didn't play really at all this year. So I, I think you're going to start to see that secondary group. As much as it grew this year, the talent should start to grow and get better and and really better fit what Alex Grinch is looking for. Are there any position groups that you think are, uh, I mean, particularly strong at this point? I think you have to start with the offensive line. And I think, you know, you look at what Bill Bedenboe has done yeah. in prior years. And to me, this is his best group by a mile. I mean, they, they, and there have been some good ones, and I don't mean to insult those groups. But you talk about an offensive line group that is just built the way Bill Bedenboe wants it. This is the group. I mean, Aaron Parks, Andrew Rame, Nate Anderson, all those guys could probably play center guard or tackle. I mean, they really could move and do a lot of different things. And they all bring, you know, and you say that and you think, well, they got to be similar. They are in ways, but in other ways, they're just completely different types. Nate Anderson is one of the more athletic tackles in the entire country. A uh, guy that played defensive end, and I, I just love his story. He's a guy that moved, was playing defensive end for his high school team, and th through injury, his offensive coaches were like, would you give a look at offensive tackle? We just need somebody out there, and you're the biggest guy on our roster. They stick him out there, and he just kicks butt and takes names, help that team get to the state quarterfinals his junior year. And, you know, the next thing you know, he's got 30 offers and ends up committing to Oklahoma to play tackle. So it just, it's one of those things that, you know, kind of it's almost too good for a, a TV movie sort of deal. Uh, with Andrew Rame, you're getting one of the most technically advanced offensive linemen in the country. I, there are people that question him, and I just have to think you haven't seen him. Like, you can't appreciate how good and how physical he is until you've watched him live. He is, I think his future is at guard. I think he could also play center. He could be the the heir apparent to Creed Humphrey if Oklahoma gets to keep Creed Humphrey for another year. Maybe you let him sit behind Creed, have a year to redshirt, and then maybe he's that guy as a redshirt freshman in 2021. But Rame, Rame could play anywhere. I mean, he really couldn't. I, I say it all the time. His head coach is a former NFL offensive lineman. His position coach, uh, I believe, just got voted to the University of Houston's uh, all-decade team on the offensive mm -hmm. line. So, I mean, he is just inundated with quality offensive line coaching, and he knows 
He knows what he's doing, has been a four-year starter at Broken Arrow, helped that program win its first state championship last year. So there is just a, a lot to like about him. Aaron Parks, kind of a middle ground between the two. Fundamentally sound was our MVP at the off, at the uh, Rivals five-star MVP in Atlanta last summer. I think he works him at center that day. I thought he looked pretty good there. I could buy him being the, the next guy at center as well. Maybe a little more athletic than Rain, but probably a little bit bigger in body than Nate Anderson. So he's kind of that hybrid. And then with Anton Harrison, you have just an enormous human being that I see as a right tackle. And I think he could be a really good one. I I, I think he's one of those guys that's just not appreciated for how good he is. He loses a little bit of bad body weight and develops a little bit. I I think he's another one of those guys that people may look back on and say, we overlooked him. We didn't realize he was as good as he is. And finally, you got Noah Nelson, the guy that just he committed so early, everybody kind of forgets about him. But big, long. I mean, Noah is six foot seven plus, got the huge arms, the big wingspan, has started to fill out this year, helped lead his team to a state championship, um, really, and done so by he and the rest of his offensive linemen just kind of running over competition in Arizona. So there is. Um, that, that's the position that sticks out. I like what's happened at defensive line, too. I won't go into all the depth I did on the offensive line. Reggie Grimes is a great piece. Perry on Winfrey could be a day one starter, uh, the ju- junior college defensive lineman from Iowa Western. Uh, we've got him as the number one Juco player in the country. Um, there is, there's a lot to like in this class. I think it may not get the attention of some of the previous years because you don't have the five-star quarterback or you don't have the five-star receivers or some of the positions that it's easy for the lay mm-hmm. football fan to watch and acknowledge. But when you look at the problems Oklahoma's had in the playoffs, it's been up front. And this class, better than any year of the last four or five, really addresses that. And I, I think this is – this could be the you know group that kind of lays the foundation that starts putting Oklahoma over the hump. So uh, you mentioned Perry on Winfrey, who's a really highly regarded defensive lineman in junior college. Um, is he? And you thought that he can start right away. Is he more in the Neville Gallimore nose tackle type mold, or is he more of a three tech? Where do you see him fitting in? I see him as a little more as a three tech. He's a little longer. Uh, I don't know if everybody saw it. It kind of caught my attention because he's one of the few guys in the class I never got to see in person. He was a guy that I was supposed to go see. There were some issues with his practices. I just couldn't make it work with my schedule. And so I didn't get a chance to go up and see him. But he took a picture uh, when Lincoln Riley and Calvin Thibodeau came to see him this week. And you look at him, and he's probably six, two and a half, six, three kind of long-armed, long-legged, like he's not what you think of as a nose, but I can tell you that I've had conversations with people who tell me that Neville Gallimore is not exactly the ideal nose tackle for what Oklahoma is doing, you know, with Mm -hmm. that scheme. So it's a little bit of a question. He's not Neville Gallimore, but I'm not sure that's what Oklahoma wants anyway. And I don't mean that as a slight to Neville. Obviously, he's been outstanding this year, Mm -hmm. but they want guys that are just going to penetrate, 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 and Neville's quick enough to do it, but a guy that's 295 instead of 315 or 320 could do it even more so. So, like I said, we're going to have to watch that a little bit because I'm interested to see how that plays. I think Perrion Winfrey will give you a very real indication of kind of what Oklahoma's looking for as he may be the three-tech and the Josh Ellison, who I mentioned earlier, 
may be the actual nose type guy in this class who which is interesting because Winfrey's played more inside in junior right. college than Ellison has so Oklahoma's you know they're going to mix and match their parts and kind of because what they do is unique so there's not always going to be a direct correlation to some of these guys they recruit yeah no you you hit on my uh my kind of question there too because it seemed to me like they'd kind of been the opposite but uh yeah no that's interesting today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. How about in terms of we talked about uh, strong position groups? What about the areas of concern? Where where do you think that OU still has work to do? Well, you know, it's one of the situations. I don't think any question that at defensive back they need to land the three guys I mentioned. They need to get Harrington. They need to get Eaton. They need to get Dennis. Those things need to happen because if you were to miss on those guys. Then you head into January, not really dealing from strength where you can say, okay, we have two spots left. We're going to treat this like an NFL front office and just say, who are the two best players we can go get? It's going to become more of need-driven selections. And that's just, I mean, you know, that's basic supply and demand. That's not where you want to operate from. And I I think that is where – now, the the good news for Oklahoma, it's a storyline for OU fans that listen to your pod to watch – Major Burns' recent decommitment from LSU could open up that door. For some reason, if I'm wrong, and Eaton and Dennis don't end up signing with Oklahoma on Wednesday, Major Burns, you know, if Oklahoma wanted to immediately jump in on him and say, we've got a spot for you next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when that, that signing period window is open, I think Major Burns would probably take it because Oklahoma was his second choice. That was the other – you know, he had – People that don't realize he was once upon a time one of Lincoln Riley's eyes. I mean, he was the guy that was supposed to be coming, was a guy that OU was really excited about. Didn't have a great senior year. I'm not sure at this point A&M has room for him, and that was another school that he had been committed to at one point. So I don't know what his options are among schools he's familiar with. So we'll kind of have to watch how that plays out. But there's a good chance he'd push to January, and if Oklahoma were to, you know, have another transfer, something were to give, maybe a guy goes to the NFL earlier than they expected, suddenly you have some roster space and you can say, well, we're good at all these positions, but boy, we really like Major Burns. We want to go get him and bring him in on this class. Then you can make that move. Or, you know, you could make a move for Arian Smith, who was Kendall Dennis's wide receiver teammate in, at Lakeland, Florida. It gives you options. So Oklahoma needs to go reel these guys in. And then you can kind of see where your numbers are, what things are going to look like. And that's what's so nice and always was for coaches about signing period in February because all your NFL declarations were done. All your transfers were probably done, or at least the majority. Mm -hmm. You kind of had an idea of what you were looking at as to where at this point you haven't played your bowl game. You don't know what the NFL draft entries are going to look like because guys haven't even gotten their grades back at this point. So there's just a lot to kind of work through And like I said, if Oklahoma can land those guys at DB, I think it's a good group. I think they would like to have another linebacker if they can make that work. But that's, again, that's kind of up in the air. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more kind of 10,000-foot view real quick here. You know, looking at it, uh, you know, when a, when a, the overall level of talent on a roster is kind of eroding, that can be kind of a slow-motion thing. And I really think that, you know, we saw that over the course, in my opinion, of Bob Stoops' career at OU where, you know, recruiting didn't just completely fall off the map, but things definitely kind of tailed off a little bit there for a while. Um, and we saw kind of the the impact of that, I feel like, as, as time wore on. But, you know, looking at it now, I mean, from a talent standpoint, I mean, what's your assessment of OU's roster going forward? I mean, how strong is it now compared to, say, like five years ago? Uh, and I, first off, I couldn't agree with your point more. I mean, I think people – and people will hear that and say, well, you know, Alan, in that era they were 10-3 and three and they right. won, you know, a Big 12 championship or they were 11-2. and two. So much of that got masked by the fact, oh, you would have three or four great players. Yeah. They had a Baker Mayfield. They had a Joe Mixon. They had guys who could make the rest of it look better than it was. And don't get me wrong, at a place like Oklahoma, you're usually going to have great players, but so is Alabama, Clemson, and they're going to have 20 of them. Right. And that's where Oklahoma has always had trouble. I mean, you go back. Oklahoma dominated Georgia through the first half of that game. Oklahoma was tooth and nail with Clemson in the, in the 2015 game. Like you go through all those and you can see Oklahoma, their frontline guys, they could play with anybody, mm -hmm. but there wasn't the depth. You didn't have that next group of guys because you, you know, Oklahoma was living so much on development while well, our seniors and juniors are really good. Well, that's great. They should be, they shouldn't be in your right. program three or four years and not be quality players. The problem was is the freshmen and sophomores, generally speaking, weren't ready. And so I, I think you ran into that. Right now, I mean, you know, I keep saying it. I've said it the last couple of years. Every year that passes, Oklahoma's roster talent is improving. They're getting better and deeper. And, I mean, this is going to be a borderline top 10 class, and it's going to be Lincoln Riley's worst. I mean, like, just as far as the rankings go. And, and uh, again, I should preface that when people say, oh, well, well, you know, you're telling me the O-line group's good and the D-line group's. If Oklahoma's going to be in a top-five class, they almost have to have a five-star quarterback because there's just not enough in-state top-level recruits that Oklahoma can kind of subsist and fill out their roster with borderline four-star guys from Oklahoma City. That's not the way it works. Oklahoma has to land every four-star guy in their state. I mean, that, that, that's how these things work, and they need the five-star five national quarterbacks to kind of balance out the fact that they are going to sign more three-stars probably than Alabama or Georgia or some of these other schools that are competing for recruiting national titles. Right. So I, I like the talent on the roster. I think it's getting nothing but better. Um, you know, this year, the the thing that has gone forgotten for this year, I'm getting a little afield here, but people are forgetting this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. Right. This was not supposed to be a playoff year. This was supposed to be a year when Oklahoma was going to have to fight tooth and nail with Texas to win the Big 12 championship because OU just lost a massive amount of talent in the last two years. I mean, two Heisman Trophy winners, uh, a Bolitnikoff winner, a first-round wide receiver, five offensive linemen in the last two years i mean and all of which are now playing in the nfl i mean two, you just go down the one, list two number one overall picks sure <laughs> who replaces that yeah. who replaces that and goes 12 and one i don't think anybody and i think it's a testament to lincoln riley that that he's been able to do that and frankly done it with a little bit of smoke and mirrors offensively yeah. so 
Um, and, I mean, you look at it, you finally have a clear direction on defense. You're recruiting. Alan, you and I have talked about this for years. Under Mike Soups, Mike Soups is a good recruiter, and people don't give him credit for it. But there was always this feeling of, well, they're just going to go get whoever and then kind of make them work Bingo. in the defense. Yeah. There was never like a clear design of, okay, this is what their rush linebackers look like. This is what their defensive ends look like. There, It, it was just mishmash all the time. And now you see it. You're seeing, okay, these are the guys they like. This is what they want. They want their defensive linemen to be guys that are twitchy. They're going to get upfield. They're going to have big motors. They're going to run and run for days. And if they're tired, we're going to have two, you know, three more to bring on because we want depth in the defensive line. We want our guys fresh all the time. They want linebackers who can run. They want corners who are long. They want safeties who are, I mean, they're safeties, but basically they're corners and they're going to move them around if they need to. So, I mean, it's just, you're not getting this. There's just a clear vision in what they're trying to do. And they've done that in a year. That defense is only going to get better, even with the losses of, you know, probably Murray, definitely Gallimore, Motley. I mean, they're losing some key pieces, but it's also going to be year two for a lot of these guys. And you're getting more and more guys recruited into the program that are what Alex Grinch wants. Right, right. You know, it's funny. I actually just just this morning posted an article about that, uh, you know, about how, I mean, OU's been now in the Big 12, what, five straight years, and if there was going to be any year when one of these programs probably should have tried to or hoped to knock them off, this would have been it, you know, with all the all the upheaval on offense. And then on top of that, trying to, you know, install an entirely new defense in nine months. And it feels to me like more like, you know, a lot of times you'd expect, okay, well, team's been on top for five years. Like they're going to have to at some point hit a down cycle. Inevitably, oh, you will. But I don't see it coming anytime soon. There's so much young so many young players pushing the older guys at this point and they'll have young guys coming in now too that are going to push those guys who were doing the pushing before you know sure i mean we only got to see it for one year but riley and grinch to me feels a lot like bob and leach like it makes a lot of sense it can work they they cohabitate together pretty well as far as you know what i want to do matches what you want to do and maybe even more so, to be perfectly honest, with Leach. I'm not always sure <laughs> yeah. Leach's offense the way he wants to do things. I don't think that ever makes a defensive coordinator truly happy. Yeah. But, I mean, Lincoln, and I think, I don't, you know, I don't know what it was. It may, if, if it was just the fact that Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball like Mayfield and Murray, or he accepted that, okay, I've got to help this defense out a little bit. Like, I don't know if he and Grinch had a sit down, but something fundamentally changed where they said, okay, we're going to be willing to go on 12 play drives. We're going to do that. We're not going to try to be something that that is not in the best interest of this team. And I know that seems so obvious, but when you look at it, there were times in the past when that wasn't what yeah. OU would do. They would still try to throw the ball when they clearly should have been running the ball or vice versa. You know, there, there was always this stubbornness to it. And this year it's like, we're going to be, you know, I mean, really, not this year, really at halftime of Baylor, it was like, okay, we've got to stop all this. We're going to be who we are. This is what we're built to do. This is the best way we have a chance to win. We're going to play this style of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, holidays are upon us. Josh, tell us what you guys got going on over there at uh, Sooner Scoop. Well, you know how it is. We run a, we run different promos every Christmas, and usually we've done a, you know, sign up for an annual, get $100 in free shopping. Well, this year, 
it's the same bottom line. It's $100 free to any new annual members, but we're doing it a little differently. So you're going to get 25% off of your annual membership, which will mean it's $75, and that does go for the first year. And then you will get $75 in Nike, a free Nike gear. And you get to go, I mean, it's not like we're going to send you a bag full of $75 in gear. You get to go pick it. You get to shop for it. You can do it online. You can go to a Nike store. You can do it any way you want to. And I believe it even accounts for Converse uh, as well, if we've got any Converse fans out oh, there. Nice. That was something I was reading earlier, and I was like, I don't, I'm sure there's some people out there that love Converse. <laughs> yeah. so I want to make sure they get their credit. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, the, we have that available. If you would like the details uh, and can't find it on the site, my, I sound, sound like a high school kid, but my DMs are open. Josh <laughs> at Josh underscore scoop. You can message me. I can get you all the information you need. Uh, feel free to hit me up. We always get a few people uh, when I do these, you know, Christmas time pods with Alan. So, you know, don't be afraid to hit me up. It, I, I won't bite. It's, it's it's a good deal. Probably the best deal we run all year. So kind of jump on it. And with signing day coming up with, you know, we're going to have two or three guys out in Atlanta for a week covering the Peach Bowl. Then we turn right back around, focus on recruiting for the Under Armour and uh, All-American Bowl. I still can't get used to yeah, not calling that yeah, the Army Bowl. Weird. So I'll be in Orlando, San Antonio. The guys will be in Atlanta. We're going to be literally just flying all over the country covering stuff. And, I, you know, I don't feel too braggy to say that I don't think anybody else is going to be doing the same. So, uh, you know, perfect time to give us a chance and to get some free gear to do it. Yeah, listen, if you guys aren't signed up for Soonerscoop.com and you're an OU fan or even just a fan of uh, maybe a rival team or a Big 12 team, I mean, you know, you're crazy not to sign up for what they do because they, they are so good with – insight analysis and uh breaking all the news i i it's invaluable for uh you know an ou football fan really a big 12 football fan so uh rectify that if you're not a sooner scoop subscriber and uh thanks a lot josh man i really appreciate you coming on and uh, filling us in with everything going on recruiting wise Oh, absolutely, Alan. You know, you're one of the guys that follows it closely enough that we can have real talks about this stuff <laughs> rather than just me talking about who the quarterback in the class is. Ah, so. what, ah, whatever, man. Nah, man, you're the guru. So I appreciate that, though, man. Thanks a lot for coming on, man, Josh. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Alan. All right. Thanks to you all for joining us, too. Like I said, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And like I said, check out everything that they're doing over at schoonerscoop.com. Uh, for the Blayton Homers and Podcasts, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.